Blog Talk Radio. I have an emergency. What is your location? Yes, indeed. Good morning. There is a war for our souls. Let's pray. (laughs) Father God, we thank you for this very beautiful day that you are the Lord God and that your kingdom come, that your will be done on earth, in and through us, even as it's being done and declared in heaven. We acknowledge you not only as our creator, but as the Lord God. And Father, I thank you for giving us this day eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to consider this very severe and serious beyond words subject that we're talking about today is hell for real. And I ask Father God that you would comfort our hearts and that you'd also um, ignite our hearts to recognize the dilemma, the deception, the huge warfare that's surrounding this subject, Father, that you'd give us encouragement, peace, but also at the same time you would inspire and anoint our hearts to understand that the fear of the Lord begin to motivate our lives instead of the cares of this world. And I thank you, Father God, for this war that is real, that you've also given us divine protection over it. Father, you said that no weapon formed against us will prosper. Well, many of the weapons formed against us, Father God, are deep in our souls, deep in our minds, deep in our relationships, deep in our lives. And I pray that you'd deprogram us, that you'd set us free from the cares of this world and the destructions of the evil one, the treachery, the trickery, Father, and bring us into clear minds and understanding what the will of the Lord is in this matter. So today, as you gather people to hear and listen, I pray that you encourage our hearts, lift off of us the fogs, the lies, the deceptions and confusions about hell, and help us to understand your heart in this matter, Father, in Jesus' name. And we forbid the enemy to twist this message and make it something that is not true to make it a lie, to make it an objective, to make it an obstacle in the minds and hearts of the listeners, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning, honey. Well, good morning. Good morning. And it uh, is a good morning. Yes, it is. A because good we are still here. We are still here. We're, and uh, We're blessed. We, mm-hmm. We're blessed with life on the planet. Uh, and air to breathe. Air to breathe. And we're not uh, suffocating. A good God. We're not that, being loves us. crushed with the powers of hell and darkness as we're speaking there are many in in eternity yeah. in hell and torments uh, but we can't do anything about them but we can do something we can't do anything about them right now but we can do something about the people in our world that's right right now so the question is is hell for real is now here let me just say that question again in case you know everybody says oh yeah 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 i've heard about hell yeah 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 that's an old-fashioned concept that's that's really not relevant for the postmodern world right. or the postmodern uh, Christian it, it, it world. Was, it was a weapon of yesteryear used to frighten people into becoming Hellfire Christians. Hellfire and brimstone. Yeah, yeah we don't talk about that no, now. Yeah, we We've really removed that from the church. We want to be a seeker-sensitive, user-friendly, uh, all that kind of thing. Irrelevant, impotent, right. and a club, basically. Right. Most churches are, you know, this is my, my definition, most churches now are just clubs. They're just like any other club, really. to and, do good deeds. And, and as I've been thinking about this, 
uh, our subject here today um, that really, and as we were talking about in our in our uh, church service on Sunday about the miracles of God mm-hmm. and, and God's power and strength, uh, that we really need a whole Redoing. renewing, oh. reprogramming mm-hmm. as to how we are as believers and what we believe. and what we do, what we think, what we believe, because yeah. we have been sold such a a, a bill of goods of of religious mm-hmm. garbage and nonsense practices, that clutter programs, programs mm-hmm. traditions, mm-hmm. Uh, all kinds of Nothing opinions, real. views that we really don't get into the guts of the gospel, <laughs> of the grace. guts of Jesus. The guts of what's really going on gross, underneath the surface. But it's the heart of God. It's the heart of God, seriously. It's the heart and, of God. And I think what we don't understand anymore is the urgency. I think we really do not understand the demonic shroud or veil. You know, when you don't know that you don't know something, you don't know it. And I really believe that that's where we're at. The people have been veiled. Their eyes have been closed, dull, the ears, the sense of hearing, understanding. It's it's a serious stupor that has come upon all of us, well, really, including but, those who say that they really believe. Right. My, I, have a fr- I have a friend that does a lot of teaching on personal evangelism. And his survey is basically, these are surveys that are done nationally. And I, you know, surveys can say this and say that. Right. But probably about 96%, 98% of those that claim to be born-again believers never, ever share Christ with somebody. They never sit down and just or communicate or whatever it is, they they never do it. They keep it. What do they have? Do they have anything real if they well, won't why, share it? What's well, why, in their heart? Why, the mouth speaks. Why well, would we been, share anything if it's not that important? It's not that important, right? Yeah. yeah. And so I think the problem is they don't share because it's not that big of a deal. It's not well, they that think important. it's not that important because we've been basically mesmerized. Well, because we've never been, we've really never watched, looked to the very end of our journey to see that it will be heaven or hell. We, we've been so busy with the journey that we've forgotten that there's a destination. Well, we're caught up in the cares and the riches of and pleasures world, yeah. of life and, and, and everything. And just, you know, we want to we wanna go to our clubs that we call churches and just, you know, we want the be preacher, nice. we want the, the worship to be entertaining. We want the preacher to be entertaining. We want to come there and just you know, kind of feel better. Well, we've done our religious duty for well, the week. I think I think it's like we don't really know why we're here. We don't really right. know where we came from. We don't really know who we are. And therefore, nothing else is, a, is that important. It's really, you know, if you want to spend your life doing good deeds and talking about Jesus, a nice person, a nice prophet, you know, if you want to do that, that's your choice. But there's no urgency about any of this well, because part of it, that's been removed. And part of that reason is because we, that has not been communicated to us. It's not been communicated to us by our, our well, so-called spiritual leaders. But our spiritual leaders have not heard it either. It's not right. been communicated to them. Defeated, seething enemy who, enemy, enemy, who from the very beginning vowed that he would strip and rip and take every concept, every concept, any, any inkling of God out of the hearts, out of the minds of the created. And that's, we see that in Romans chapter 1 where they, they gave up the love of the truth and were turned over to a debased mind. And I believe that we're in the, the very end stages of a debased mind is what we are. We're so now focused on singularity and immortality that we can conceive and concoct on our own 
through our own science and inventions that we don't really think we're going to die. And I think what, what's important is to understand is that hell is the destination after death, and a lot of us don't even comprehend that we're going to die because, you know, some people do. I'm not saying everybody there. It happens there. to everybody else, not to Well, me. some people who are very, very sick, and maybe the doctor's given you a few days or a few weeks or a few months or you've got a terminal illness or something, you might be getting a little more pain. It might be a blessing, actually, that you've gotten this news because now you can focus truly focus on, eternity. on what matters. And mm-hmm. so many of us don't spend any time really focusing on the what matters in life. We, we just focus on problems and, and immediate and urgent and things. We don't really import. And the important things are just so elusive, and this is so big and overwhelming. And going back to we don't know these things, we've not been taught these things, well, you know, they come through your spending time in the presence of God. Jesus said it pretty clearly in Matthew um, 16. He said to his disciples, and Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what is a man profited if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? We don't understand that there's this jeopardy where our souls are in jeopardy. We don't understand that there's a, there's a um, uh, uh, competition for our souls. When you think of uh, someone calling a 911 number, there's an accident. There's a four-car accident out on I-94. What happens in that situation? The 911 call comes in. Takes precedent. Who, who is, you know, uh, there are uh, highway patrol, there are paramedics, there are fire, fire department people, uh, hospitals, emergency rooms are prepared Ambulances are come, paramedics come. There is a full-blown emergency to save the physical life, to to uh, uh, care for the physical life of people. Mm-hmm. Now, what happens? Do we realize that souls, people's souls, mind, will, and emotions, who we really are as people, our personalities, you know, that are in that are, are in, that, in jeopardy. De- that kind of jeopardy every moment because we're only one heartbeat away from you know what? from eternity. Here's the problem: we can talk to ourselves, to each other, to you guys out there until we're all blue in the face, and until you come to the revelation and acknowledgement that the Lord God is God, that He does not lie, that He has told us about heaven and hell, He has told us He's coming again. He's told us the earth is going to melt with fervent heat. He has told us many, many things, many of which have already come to pass. And if you, he said, blessed is he or happy is he who knows these things and does them or acts on them. We're not going to build our house on the sand here. We're going to know the truth. We're not here to say God does not use hell as a threat. God never intended hell to be an, uh, the final uh, coercion or intimidation to get people to come to heaven. God himself does not send anybody to hell. Hell was not made for people. It's made for the devil and his, and his angels. angels. Yes. But many people who refuse the love of the truth, there is no other place for them to go except to the one that torments and, and, and controls and has lied to them their whole life. I, I think a lot of the, the problem goes back to the people who really don't believe God. They don't believe there's a war. There's, we're actually seriously, seriously infested with lethargy, apathy, dullness, blindness, 
hardness of heart, unbelief, exhaustion, fatigue, distractions. Distractions. Un, uh, you know, we're, we're, we are so shut down that we do not know how to even live. We just survive now. We, we, we survive and sedate. We sedate ourselves, we escape, we go to the movies, we play our life through sim games and video games. And, and that in itself, video games and all that electronic stimuli, including your phones, is reprogramming, reformatting your brain. Your neurological system is being reformatted by all this technology. So that's and, a- and therefore, the brain is not able to comprehend what we must desperately comprehend to avoid hell. To know that the devil is real, that Jesus is real, and that God's word is true. Right. And, and that's a subject that we will be addressing, I believe, in our, an upcoming program, too, about the effects of electronics yeah. on, people's, on people's minds and hearts. But, you know, the idea of, of, of hell um, is, is you know, some people believe that, oh, that's archaic. We don't want to talk about that. Well, Jesus said, if you will, that in, in Mark chapter um, uh 942. He was talking about how terrible hell is. It is worse than, it is so bad that he says, and whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him that a millstone were hung about his neck and he were thrown into the depths of the sea. Well, you know it's going to happen to a man who's thrown in the depths of the sea with a millstone on his neck. He's going to drown. He said, and if your hand makes you to sin, cut it off. It were better for you to enter into, into life maimed than having two hands and go into hell into the fire that shall never be quenched. Never quenched. Where their worm does not die, where the maggots continue, their soul, our souls don't die, and the fire is not quenched. And if your foot makes you to sin, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that shall never be quenched. And where so- their worm does not die, and the fire is not quenched. And if your eye makes you to sin, pluck it out. It would be better for you to enter into the kingdom. It it for it is better for you to enter the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hellfire, where their worm does not die and their fi- and the fire is not quenched. So God is saying He's using comparisons here. Your foot, essential. Your heart, your hand, your eye. Who would give them up? But He said, if it w- if that would work. It's not going to keep you out of hell mm-hmm. to give up a hand or a foot or an eye. But he says, if that were the trouble and the reason for your going to hell, it'd be better to get rid of them. And so how many things are we holding on to that are not even as important as a hand, a foot, or an eye, that we are holding on to, and it's taking us to hell? Yeah, right. And so... The well, worm dies. Not, it's never... There's no end, I mean, to the pain, the suffering. We have seen people, heard of people's stories and testimonies of what they have seen in hell. Oh, yeah, and we can we'll, we can talk about that in just a bit here. But a lot of people, too, unconsciously or consciously have this idea, and I've met some of them, you know, believers. It's kind of like, how much can I sin and still be saved? Well. There's that double-mindedness. And I would say, who's asking him that question? Right. Who is tempting him to believe that right. there's some way I still want to get by with sin? I believe that's a thought, a temptation, or the other side of that coin is I can't be that good all the time. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you don't have to be good to get to heaven. It's not about being good. It's about knowing Jesus Christ and letting the son deal with your sin instead of you dealing with your sin. Exactly. Because it's not perfect people that go to heaven. It's forgiven people, people yes. who have the righteousness yeah. of Christ. And so there are many uh, false views about 
hell. Mm -hmm. I, I'm going to give you like four kind of basic views that folks have in different aspects, not not only in maybe New Age religion, uh, and even even within so-called Christianity. Uh, there are some people that believe that um, when you're dead, you're dead. Everything ends. It's all over. You just go into nothingness. Yeah. And then there are people, of course, that believe in reincarnation, where you get you get uh, recycled into some other form, or get another chance. Of, you, yeah. Or well, let's, let's talk here. There's a view called universalism, which means that everybody will be saved. Everybody is automatically saved. God is too loving, you know, whatever their idea of God is, to exclude anyone from heaven. So it's kind of the idea of the cotton candy God is what I call it. And he's just sweet and he, he, he just kind of, oh, let, let's everything go. Um, but um, the Bible says that he that does not believe shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him, John 3.36. So let me just give you these. And there's another one. Secondly, it's called restoration, that that hell is not eternal, but it's a temporary purifying experience. Okay? And so that would be where the idea of a purgatory would, mm -hmm. would come in, okay, in the Catholic Church. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and Matthew 25, 41 talks about it, that it is an eternal uh, punishment. Uh, thirdly, it's called a view called second probationism. In other words, everyone will have a second chance between death and the resurrection. Um, you know, and like someone said, if, if people think they have a, will have a second chance, how many will accept their first chance? They haven't accepted yeah. their first chance. And, and yeah. the, <laughs> Hebrews 9.27 says it is appointed unto a man once to die, and after that the judgment. Yeah. So there's, there's this kind of uh, second chance. Now, I know of people that have died mm -hmm. and and God has mercifully mercifully brought them back to life brought them back they've died as unbelievers, and God has brought them back, and they received Christ now that is a very exceptional thing mm -hmm. that's something that no one should ever count on right um, and number four there's you know what I mentioned earlier there's uh, annihilationism that God will just annihilate the wicked, just zap, and then they're, they're gone. But, um, in the, but hell, as God describes it, is the worst of the worst of any of those options. Right. Because it doesn't end, and it, the, the, the screaming, the torment, the pain, the, the lack of oxygen, the heat, it never ends. And so Second Thessalonians 1.8 talks about uh, God in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Well, in the testimony that John Weiss gives, and we just haven't referred to him yet, but he was 23 minutes in hell, very interesting uh, testimony that you can catch on um, Sid Ross show. Yeah, Bill, Bill Weiss. Bill Weiss, sorry. Yeah. Did mm -hmm. I? Okay. Yeah, Bill. Yeah, so. And, 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 he, and one of the, the things I caught on his uh, testimony was the worst part about hell was knowing that there was no end, that there was ne there were never, ever, no hope of ever, ever. We don't know how forever, ever, never, ever ending is. We have no concept of that. But in, in that place where he was allowed to see and, and sense the experiences of hell, 
that was the worst thing that there was no hope of of get, getting out of there. Right, and there are there are believers from time to time, and God has taken them to through a kind of a guided tour of hell. Oh yeah, and they have experienced hell as an unbeliever would experience hell. Right. So this was in 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 a, in a, in a vision form showing mm-hmm. the reality of it. Now Bill Weiss was not somebody you think, oh, he must be some weird guy that's prone to all kinds of wild visions or maybe he used LSD when he was younger or something like that. He was a very conservative... Mm -hmm. um, Average, normal. Average, normal, just a very successful realtor for 30 years. Just normal uh, guy. I mean, love God, knew Jesus, would share the gospel with people from time to time, but just just the testimony of people who knew him including his wife, would say he was a very good, you know, godly man. But one night at about, what, three yeah. three in the morning, he, he just got up to get a drink of water and uh, went downstairs and uh, he just, God showed him, took him on a tour of hell and he collapsed and mm-hmm. got into like a, a fetal position, just screaming and crying out for what he saw, mm-hmm. what God saw. And, and some of the things that he saw, Margie, let's, Talk about some of those well, things. Well, I think that it would be good for people to actually find it, but if they can't find this video, it, it's like... Um, well, it's, it's called, 20, well, thing, it's called things, 23 Minutes in Hell. Right, and one of the things he said was very interesting. It's not a, a metaphor. It's not allegorical. Hell is real. And I think that that, that goes along with the idea of believing so much of the, what the rest of the gospel... Much of the gospel we have just denied or we've relegated to an allegory or a story or a fable as so many of our other fairy tales. And we just say, well, hell's not real. The devil's not real. The the demons don't really exist. There's not really these monstrosities that are trying to rip you apart and shred you and destroy you. Um, But so it's not a metaphor. It's not. And, and, you know, just because we cannot comprehend the goodness of God or the severity of God or eternity or forever, or even our own death, these things, just because we can't comprehend them now does not mean they don't exist. And they're not real. And, and you must be concerned about your own soul because you will spend eternity somewhere. And if you don't get make a decision now to serve God and get serious about what you've got going on here, when, when, when it's too late, it is too late. And, you know, even now, the worst condition on earth, whatever that might be, buried alive, if you will, the worst place, the worst thing you can imagine on earth is not hell. Because in hell, the, the worst, all the combinations of the very worst situations and scenarios on earth are all put into the same place. And you can't breathe. You can, it's hot. It's terrible. It's terrifying. It's full of pain. You're being shredded by demons. You're hearing other people scream. There's no... It's like sometimes we, we use hell so flippantly or we tell people, right. you know, some people say, well, just go to hell. Uh, you know, it was a hell of a this or a hell of a that. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, you know, when I die, I, I want to go to hell because all my friends are going to be there. We're just going to have a big beer party and, you know, so sex and whatever else. And, and hell, it's just, it's just so You won't even but have be able to join me. That's Here's tough. a lady named Helen uh, Peterson years ago had an experience. Uh, uh, God, again, one of these people that took, God took on a guided tour to hell. He says, when I went to hell, hideous demons pulled me down through what can be best described as a dark shaft. On each side, although it was so black, I knew there were small cubicles or pits. Now, one, this is one of the things that we hear 
there's a common ground of testimony mm -hmm. that there were these cells, these cells of torment where the souls were. I was resisting and fighting against these demonic beings that were pulling me down, down, down. Finally, after a great struggle, I was shoved into a cubic or pit on the right side. I, I was aware that others were above, below, and across from me in similar holdings, although I could not see them. For some time, I was alone in this horrid place with no words in the English language that I can find to adequately describe. I experienced while there an aloneness and a darkness that is beyond comprehension. In hell, there is not even one speck of friendship or acquaintance as we know of it here on earth. Mm -hmm. It is totally void of any togetherness. Even ungodly friendships here on earth cannot be compared to the total lack in hell. There is a total lack of life as we know it here on earth. There is nothing on earth to compare to the other black darkness that exists there. A rainy, overcast day or a dark, foggy night is like billion sunshine and beyond that compared to hell. There is just no comparison to the other darkness uh, for comparison for the other darkness of hell and life on earth. And and just one more thing she says. He says there's um, uh, also he said the she says the aloneness in hell cannot be fully described. We have so much life around us. Earth is filled everywhere with life. Hell is lifeless as we know life on earth. There is just existence. No matter how isolated you are here on earth, know that anyone in hell would gladly change places. No matter how alone you are in going through something, again, there is no comparison to the aloneness in hell. But if you don't know, if we don't comprehend, if we're not told, if we're not reminded of these grim, absolutely, desperately, hopeless, despairing situations that could could be our end, it would be much easier for people if they don't know about hell or haven't been told. Uh, to, there's no urgency then to do anything right or do anything good or to warn people about it or to accept Jesus because Jesus is your way out of hell. He is the way out. But even in the end days, as they say in Revelations, the mark of the beast, those who take that mark whether it's a vaccination or a drink or a barcode or whatever it is that you take, it will alter and alienate you from God forever. You will not be able after that point to be saved. And you're going to take it because you're intimidated, because you're afraid that you can't buy your groceries today. And it's going to be a flippant, casual, don't even give it a second thought. Just Everybody's take the mark of the beast. It. Everybody's doing Yeah, it. and it's the only way I can survive. And just for that extra minute of survival, you will ex you'll exchange eternity uh, you'll, you'll trade hell for that extra week or something and they're going to end up killing you anyway because they hate you but the thing is to understand the severity of this battle that we are jesus said to uh, bill weiss he says i'm coming very very soon and this happened in 1998 and you know what it's it's time uh everybody knows it i mean everybody who's paying any attention to the news um, they have to know so god i believe in his faithfulness is going to begin to send an alarm and and a revival uh, among his people and i don't mean a revival of being stupid and and and, ha and the glory coming down a revival of repentance a revival of salvation a revival of the revelation of jesus christ and for those of you who say well i don't want to go to hell i'm trying really hard to stay out of hell that's not how you stay out of hell you stay out of hell 
by accepting Jesus Christ, not trying to get rid of your sin, but accepting the son. The enemy has made the counterfeit gospel about the sin, your sin, getting rid of your sin. It's all about you being good, trying harder, and then you give up, you fail, you're, you're exhausted, and then you say it doesn't matter and I don't care. How many have been indoctrinated by the words, the fables, the books, the fantasies, the novels, the, the romance novels, the, the sci-fi movies, the, the electronics, the video games, the, the computers? If you could just do this for yourself, pull yourself away from your electronics and be quiet. And, and you, you really, we need to wean ourselves away from these things. I know we need them. I understand. There's even computer chips in your car, and you need to get here and there, and God knows this. But to allow your brain to be constantly inundated, saturated with noise and vibrations of hell, you, you, it's like you're being cooked like the frog in the kettle, and you don't even, don't even know it. Now, for those of you who do know it, and you do believe in hell, and you are alarmed, and, and ask God for the revelation of Jesus Christ on this matter. For those of you who do care, when people, you hear about people dying, I know for myself, whenever I hear about somebody's just passed away, I will say the first thing I'll say was, did they know Jesus? And the second thing maybe might be how old they were, but did they know Jesus? And a lot of times the answer is, I don't know. I don't know if they knew Jesus. Well, what does it mean to know Jesus? Does it mean that everybody around you has to know that you know Jesus? Not necessarily. But at the same time, to know Jesus means that you have a relationship with him. And I think this Bill Weiss said it very well. We say the question that often comes to him is, could a good God send people, his creation, to hell? A couple of things he made clear on that. And here's an, the analogy that he gave, which I thought was very good. He's a realtor. So he said, if you... Um, you you walked into this house, and you saw a house you liked. Maybe it's a nice house, a big house, somebody else's house. You walk up to the door and you knock on the door and you say, um, "I want to live in this house because I'm a good person. I'm a good person, therefore I should get to live in this house." And you have no relationship with the person who owns the house. Where's that going to go? You know. And it's the same with heaven and hell. You walk up to God and you say, I want to get into heaven because I'm a good person. But you have no relationship with the Father through Jesus Christ. You don't know about him, never lived for him, didn't care to talk about him, think about him, look into his word, never considered it real or valid. What makes you think that if there, see, because God's relationship, our, our, our getting into heaven is built on our relationship with God, not a religion, not a set of doing, 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 but on a relationship. And the second thing he said is, uh, when he's asked the question, how could a good God send people to hell? Uh, and aren't we all the children of God? And he says, we're not all the children of God. We're actually all the, the creation of God. We're made in the image of God to qualify to be the children of God. But that doesn't come until we accept that relationship by accepting Jesus Christ well, the, into our life. Paul and, says, now are we the children of God? And it Excuse does me, not. By yeah, faith yeah. in Jesus Christ. Yeah. So we're not. You know, we're all God. All human beings are God's creation, creation mm-hmm. but we're but we don't become sons and daughters son. like until First Corinthians. I'm sorry, Second Corinthians. He says, very interesting in Second Corinthians chapter six. Um, let's start with verse, um, well, fourteen. You know, God is very, very clear. He He doesn't want us, and He's not willing that any should perish. And and Bill actually said that this that the Lord that Jesus was weeping, weeping. And he has to be weeping constantly for people who are dying and going to hell. But he says in Second Corinthians six fourteen, 
Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? In, In other words, don't mix with that. And what accord has Christ with Belial or the devil? Or what part has the believer with an unbeliever? For what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, and do not touch the unclean, what is unclean. And I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So the goal in this life down here, this journey called life, is to be rescued, redeemed, restored, and brought to the revelation of Jesus Christ that we can be his sons and daughters. And that's, that's God's position. We, 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 we're kind of asking the wrong question. Why would a good, loving God send people to hell? He well, doesn't. Because a good, loving God has come. He's orchestrated a whole rescue plan mm-hmm. from before the foundation of the world. And here's so the deal. So he is in the rescuing mode, and his people, we who claim to love him, are, are to be the, the, the rescuers in this time. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and Jesus said, unless a person is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So there's a new birth. We become children of God by faith in Jesus Christ through the new birth. As many as received him, John 1, 12, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to the, them that believe on his name. Well, and so, and we think of, um, here's, for God so loved the world, the, the verse that we all know, but sometimes we don't really know what we think we know. Mm-hmm. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not, what? Perish. Should not, should not perish. Should not be lost forever in hell, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world, verse 17, to contemn, condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. So we're already under this condemnation because he hath not believed on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Oh, i got to say something right there. Stop at that place of believing. This verse that Jerry just read really points out something that's very critical here. And we, you know, we're not, you know, uh, passive and have no voice in this matter of where we end up. Because God has made a way. He has rescued us. But the goodness of God does not cancel out the wickedness of the devil. And just because God is so good doesn't mean the devil isn't that bad anymore. The devil is as evil and wicked as God is good. So therefore, the decision of where we go depends on whose report we believe. Read it again, whosoever believes. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Mm-hmm. We that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten the Son of God. Yeah. And here's another part of it, too. Uh, you continue on to verse uh, 19 and following. Then this is the condemnation that light is come into the world mm-hmm. and men loved darkness rather than light so, because their deeds were evil. evil. For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light 
neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Okay, let me say something about that. So we are blinded to, from the light of God by our own deeds. So when you sin and you're swallowed up in wickedness and bad behavior, bad choices, it, it multiplies the darkness. It multiplies the separation between you and God so that you feel like I can never be loved. I can never get restored. I'm too bad. I'm, I'm so bad. Um, God have mercy. If it's nothing is worth going to hell over, even your sin. And if you make your sin the priority or the obstacle or the reason that you're going to hell, and it didn't have to be, it didn't have to be because Jesus Christ is our righteousness. He is willing. You said, that's too good to be true. I can't believe Jesus would die and do all that. And besides, I don't think it works. And besides, I don't think I need to be saved. And besides, I don't feel it anyway. And besides, my life is just fine. And besides, I don't need anything. You have already embraced or you're making decisions that you don't even know you're making. Passive agreement is, is an agreement with whatever's going on. And you're just agreeing passively with your life. It is what it is. And there's no sense of shock shame, alarm, or, or, or urgency. And this is the, the sedation. People die because they don't want to live. People who are bleeding to death, people who are freezing to death, they're not fighting to live because it's easier to die. And it's easier to be swallowed up in wickedness than it is to allow the Spirit of God. However, that's, God has not left us on our own without witness, without the Holy Spirit, without the testimony, everything around us, even creation, testifies to the, 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 the visibility, the um, existence of God. But, but what happens is the reporters, the, the messengers, those who are sent to tell and warn and the, herald the coming of the king and the desperation of what we're in and what's about to happen and the end of the, of the world and hell, that the messengers are being taken out and so people are not hearing, they're not shocked, they're not saddened, they're not, I mean, seriously, if this is what we're saying is true, how would our lives change? What would you stop doing? And to realize that going back to the goodness of God does not cancel out the wickedness of the devil, then it's not the question, how can a good God send us to hell? It's how, how can we reject the goodness of that good God to believe that we can do this without him? And that we can make a decision and play our life the way we want to play it and ignore all the rules and the truth and the warnings and end up where we want to be. The de decision, whose report do you believe, is not based on your behavior and keeping certain rules and laws, whatever you might think those are. It is based on believing the one thing that Jerry read, that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved, that if without believing and confessing him, we are lost that's it it's pretty easy but it's pretty hard because the devil doesn't make it easy because he obscures the gospel of jesus christ he set up counterfeit gospels and deception all around us and one of the devices at the ending with this is to is to cripple the messengers those that have called to be the re the, the the rescuers the warners the warners that would be you and i who claim to know jesus christ as lord and savior we get all bound up with our own needs and our own greeds and our own problems and our, we're, we're, or, we're caught up in our own inertia mm -hmm. we're so we're so caught up and cluttered with the cares and riches and pleasures of life and our own needs and our own bondages yeah. that we we just live in a whirlwind of self 
yeah. rather than the Savior and, 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 and reaching out to others. Well, if it, it, I am all crippled up, tied up, bound up in my own needs and greeds and my own problems and my own issues, fear. how am I ever going to get out to reach out to somebody else? And that's what Jesus called us to do. He said, go into all the world, make disciples, preach the gospel. Yeah, fear. It's fear and lack of love. And I think part of it is not just what you said, but that's all true. But it's, it's, it's the fear, the intimidation. What will they think? What will they say? They won't believe me. Um, it's, it's a lack of love. It's lack of passion. It's, it's, it's lack of compassion. It's lack of knowing that you are loved and loving them. I think the messengers are, are falling down for lack and, lo- and losing energy because of the lack of love. There's not a love. There's not a, you know, a for that other person for the loss. There's not a love for the loss. And it's still, you know, we are, you know, they're human, human beings filled with the Holy Spirit, but uh, not a lot of them are being fed or encouraged or fueled in the in the revelation of Jesus Christ, and they're losing uh, and uh, momentum. But it really is fear and a lack of love, because if you love someone, I mean, think about it. If your child is sick, they're having to go to surgery, they're going to the hospital, they're they're needing special attention, and you care and love them, you will drop your everyday world, your life. You will stop what you think is so important, and you will go with them. You will attend to them. You'll do what you have to do. You'll give of yourself. You'll make the sacrifices. You'll take on the financial debt. You'll Whatever you have to do, you will do because you love your child. That's love. And that kind of love to stop what we're doing to cry out to God. And if you can't, you know, say, well, I can't go talk to people about Jesus because I'm a shut-in, I'm a this, I'm a... Then cry out to God to send forth laborers into the harvest field. Pray. Yes. Cry out to God to bring the revelation of Jesus Christ because you know what? Jesus is revealing himself, himself to people that can't be reached by anyone because it's too dangerous or there's, they're cut off. Like, the, for example, the dreams and visions he's giving the Muslims these days and things like that, the revelation of Jesus Christ. God is able to do these things, and we need to pray so that he will do them. He will. He wants to do them, but he has to be in in this thing with prayer. It's like both God and Satan need prayer. Satan likes us to pray to him. We pray to him when we worry in unbelief, um, you know, bitterness, murmuring, grumbling. That's praying to the devil repeating, oh, it's never going to work, repeating the negative, that's praying to the devil. But when you pray to Jesus Christ, you're going to say, God, I believe you no matter what. I ask you to send, by the revelation of Jesus Christ, send truth, salvation, your word to this loved one, this brother, this sister that doesn't know you, Jesus. And, you know, I mean, you have to go with wisdom and love and, and, and allow God and believe God to, that he loves them as much as, as you think you might love them. And he needs to reveal himself, and you need to. Your compassion needs to storm the gates of heaven, so to speak, to um, bring that revelation to them. And lo- <clears throat> Excuse me. A lot of times, we think somebody else would do it. You know, somebody else. Well, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not a pastor. I'm not. I'm just a regular person. Well, the Great Commission was given to all disciples, all believers. We are to call, and we were just reminded. I remember. Uh, and this is a very simple concept that uh, I was reminded of by a friend that did this many years ago. His his theme was, and he ministered to people, was each run, each one reach one. You know, 
and it's there's an old song from years back called one one by one that's how the world will be one so god has calling it if you know jesus christ as your lord and savior you have the privilege it's like you are a witness you don't have to go witnessing you know to be but you are a witness you open your mouth you sh- you demonstrate your life your life and your lip have to agree mm-hmm. your life is a testimony of jesus but you still paul said he saved he saves people through the foolishness of preaching that that means that it, the message preached it's communicated verbally it's not just you know we think of preaching as standing up behind a pulpit and screaming or waving your hands around no it's it's communicating by the the word of god to people and that's how people come to know Christ. Through your life, yes, you have to model and express by the grace of God, the spirit, the fruit of the Spirit working right. through you, mm-hmm. there's the ability of God. So there is a, there is a testimony that you have through your life, but through your words. It's and we have through to realize, your words and yeah. your prayers that will communicate uh, the love and truth of the gospel We also to understand that it is God working with us and strengthening us to 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 be able to go forward to not the the messengers to not to grow weary um and to know that God is also working with us both the will and to do of his good pleasure um it says um he knows he says in Psalm 38 verse 34 wait on the Lord and keep his ways and he shall exalt you to inherit the land when the wicked are cut off you shall see it i have seen the wicked in great power and spreading himself like a native green tree Yet he passed by, and behold, he was no more. Indeed, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the blameless man, observe the upright, for the future of that man is peace. Um, the, God wants us to know, to know that he is with us. He strengthens us. Um, the mouth of the righteous speaks wisdom. His tongue talks of justice. The law of God is in his heart. None of his steps shall slide. The Lord strengthens us in that place of walking in um, in in his salvation. It says he is their strength in time of trouble. The Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. I believe that we're in a place in time right now so treacherous. There's so much, so many inhumans, transhumans, clones, things that are not real anymore that not everybody that looks like they're savable is savable, but that's not our decision. God will lead you to those who are real and genuine but he says here that the Lord will help them and deliver them. God is working with us with signs, wonders, miracles, and I believe that's what we need to cry out to for in these days is more of the revelation of the miracles, the, the, the um, un, undisputable, indisputable acts of God, that people will see this because your young people, that the youth, they're being lost, uh, de- they're degenerating, they're, uh, they're dejected, they're disinterested, um, they're rebellious, and they're, the rebellion is the, li- the lies, I don't care, it doesn't matter, I don't matter. These, they're sinking into the depths of, of a horrible place, and we have to have this strength in the revelation of Jesus Christ to go to them. And, but the thing is, again, the urgency, knowing that God is working with us, he has not left us alone in this matter of the harvest. We're in the harvest now. Yeah, the harvest. It's a rescue operation, and and um, about forty six times in the Gospels, Jesus warned about hell. Forty six times he talked more about hell than he talked about heaven, and 
And just, just looking at a few things from the scriptures about the warnings about hell and the state of people who do not know Jesus. Um, Proverbs 24.11, it talks about those being led away to death and those staggering toward the slaughter. Uh, Isaiah 59, verse 2, it talks about being separated from God. Um, Matthew 4.16 talks about people living in darkness and living in the land of the shadow of death. Jesus came to rescue them. Luke 19.10 describes people without Christ as lost. 1 John 3.18 describes folks without Christ as being condemned already. Um, John 3.36, whoever rejects the Son will not see life, but God's wrath remains on him. Uh, 1 Corinthians 1.18 talks about those who are perishing. Ephesians 2.12 talks about people who, before the condition they were in before they came to Christ, they were without hope and without God in the world. Uh, Colossians 1.13 people who are in the dominion of darkness. And 2 Thessalonians 1.9, I believe we referred to that earlier, they will be punished with everlasting destruction and shut out from the presence of the Lord. And, uh, and uh, Revelation 20.15 talks about those who, uh, those uh, death and hell are going to be thrown into the lake of fire, which is the uh, second death. Well, you know, one of the problems, though, you know, with this is another objective. You know how the in-court... I object. Well, the devil says, I object. If you're judging people that they're going to hell, how much are you in the love of God? And so he uses that as he does with us in many ways. Oh, you're not loving and you're judging to shut us out, shut us up and not speaking out on urgent matters like the most urgent, of course, is your eternal destiny. And so people are afraid, well, I don't want to judge them. I, you know, I don't want to judge that they don't know God or that they're not going to heaven or they're going to hell. I'm not, I'm not that kind of person. I just want to be nice. And so we see that the enemy is using this as a way to also shut down, curtail, shut the mouths of those who might bring warning to the, to the people of God or to the people of earth. And so Father, the Father wants us to know that it's not about judging. It's about obedience. And God will send you to people, and God will give you love, and God will give you wisdom, and God will give you the ability to make a relationship with them so that they, it's, it's really we have the right to speak to them when we have a relationship with them. We don't, you know, when we judge um, our children, or it's not we're judging that we're actually have a relationship with them, and we see that's that they need to be corrected, they need to be directed, and that is not evil, that is not unkind, that is not discouraging, that is being attentive, that is taking on the responsibility that God has to have us be parents. That same thing is true here. It's not about judging, it's not about saying you're bad. See, the devil makes it again about behavior. I'm not saying to you you're bad. I'm not saying you what you're doing is bad. You know, that's bad maybe you're good or it's an opinion but what i'm saying is if you don't know jesus you're lost jesus described us as lost paul called us enslaved he didn't call us depraved or bad yes we do bad things good people can do bad things they can sin and be tricked because they believe the lies of the devil even after they're saved but this thing about telling people is not about judging their behavior 
Don't let yourself or them get hooked up on, well, you know, you're self-righteous. You're better than, you know, you think you're better than me, blah, blah, blah. You know what? It's not about that. It's not about, it's I love you. I care about you probably more right now than you're caring about yourself because you're all hung up on what I'm thinking about you. And I am saying, I love you. Now, listen to me. I'm saying, I love you. I'm not saying you're bad because you're homosexual. You're this or that. You're going to hell this. Or that. I'm not trying to, you know, people say, well, did they go to hell? And then they try to make a list of their ba- bad behaviors or their good behaviors and the pros and cons of whether they went to hell or not. It's not about that. It's about one simple thing. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, is the one who died for your sins, who died on the cross, is coming back. If you believe that, confess that, and he replaces all other theories, theologies, options for you to be saved, he's it. Your your blood, his love is your righteousness. If that's it then you're in. Now, I believe that a lot of times these deals are made between God and a child and Jesus reveals himself to the child and the child believes Jesus and accepts Jesus and asks Jesus into his heart. But at the same time, within minutes, within hours, within years, the child is swallowed up in the lies of wickedness and ashamed and separated and thrown to the wolves, so to speak, by the devil who's taken everything he can to throw at that child to destroy that agreement, that crying out to Jesus, that salvation. I don't. I think Paul says, I, have, I know who I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against the day, against that day, which means that when Satan comes against you with all force to destroy you, that's cheating, and God knows that's cheating. And God knows that you already made a decision when you were a little kid to accept Jesus. And for anybody listening to me or Jerry on this today, if you made a decision to follow Jesus when you were a little kid and you got swallowed up by hell, that doesn't mean that decision went away. God remembers that. You were written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Now go back to that. It doesn't matter what's happened between then and now. Get over it and go back to the truth of Jesus Christ and start reading the Bible. And don't have to believe everybody else or seek out some fine, fancy teacher. Go to the Word of God and begin to read the Gospels, what Jesus said, what Paul said, what what the Bible says, Old Testament, New Testament, Psalms, Proverbs. Right. And sometimes, you know, we get intimidated as believers. We get intimidated by the opinions and the comebacks and the accusations of other people that don't believe or are trying to justify themselves that Satan inspires them to speak at us. And so we get to be slaves of the fear of man. Oh, what will they think? What if they don't respond to me properly? You know, so it's the fear of man. It's um, being insecure in who you are and in your relationship with God. If you know who you are and you know that you know that you know what you know, then you can say with confidence, it's not about me. Jesus was here to tell us the word of God, and he was very much resisted. Nobody wanted to hear it pretty much. Um, they tried to kill him and ultimately did. And, but he, it never was about him. He says, I know where I'm from. I'm here to do the will of the Father, only the will of the Father. And I'm not going to do anything outside of that. And I'm not going to take this personal. And on the cross, he said, Father, forgive them. He never made it personal. He was not insecure. He knew who he was. And when you and I know who we are, we will be very, uh, very much a detriment and, and uh, a danger to the enemy. And you can know who you are if you know who Christ is in you. 
in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. He never left, even though you got swallowed up in a lifetime of debauchery and pornography and perversion, and, uh, and then you tried to quit it, and you got all tangled up, and I got to stop what I can't quit, and you got all troubled with cravings and addictions. That does not, that does not matter. What matters right now is your soul and going back to Jesus and surrendering that whole battle. I can't do this. I can't overcome my sin. I can't get myself to heaven. Lord, have mercy upon me. I can't do anything. It's your, your will in me, Lord God. I surrender. Because Jesus said to Peter, Satan has asked for you to desire. He desires to sift you as wheat. Satan went to God as he did for Abraham, as he did for Job, to ask to sift Peter as wheat. And Jesus said, but I have prayed for you. And when you return to me, some versions say when you're converted or come back, when you return to me, strengthen your brother. Peter had to go through this necessary conversion um, sin so that he could come back to God and recognize this time with clear eyes what had really happened in his salvation, how it really was working. So back, just back to this area of judging. Sometimes we're accused of judging, and that's a big comeback these days. But uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 13 through 15, it says, um, For whether we be beside ourselves, it is to God, or whether we be sober, it is for your cause. In other words, everything we do, if we might seem like we're beside ourselves, we're just getting too radical about this, or what our seriousness and our soberness, it's all for it's all for your cause. It's all for, for the salvation of others. And he says, verse 14, For the love of Christ constrains us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then all were dead. That's a, that's a righteous judgment. That's the judgment. judgment we make. That's the kind that's of judgment, judgment we make. Yeah. That we, one died for all, and that's the truth, and then all were dead. That's the truth. We're dead. We're separated. Dead in sins and trespasses, uh, Ephesians chapter 2. It talks about we were dead in sins and trespasses until the Lord came to give us life. And that he died for all, verse 15, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So we're, we're making that kind of, of, of judgment. judgment it's a judgment, judgment not of their behavior, it. but of the, we're constrained. The love of Christ constrains him. So the love is there. And we judge this, that Jesus died for us. That's what we, dis- we, we declare, we, de- we judge, we determine. And so I know that um, subject, because it's uh, a touchy subject, it's a taboo subject, it's a nobody wants to talk about this subject subject, and because it, it brings up m- lots of questions we don't want to deal with, like, you know, how do I talk to people without them thinking I'm judging them? Because it's the love of God that constrains us. And because I'm secure in who I am, because God is not willing that any should perish, because God so loved the world, this is our mandate. This is our mandate, and this is our rescue. This is our job. Um, and you're gonna. Yeah, I want to just finish this. Kind of get to the end here um, today. Uh, this is written by Ron Hutchcraft, and um, a book called A Life That Matters. He says, looking through the eyes of Jesus, you will see things you would never see without them. You see the eternalness of your coworkers, your fellow students, your neighbors, your teammates, your friends at school. 
Your heart is moved as you watch it, the quiet desperation of them trying another day without a Savior. You're driven to take action to reach them for Jesus because you see them as precious creations of God headed for an awful eternity without him. You feel compelled to intervene. He says they often don't look like they're dying. They may be very decent people. They may be religious people, successful people, likable people, physically strong people who seem to have it all together. If all you can see is what earth eyes reveal, you will not feel much urgency to tell them about Jesus. Mm -hmm. You will not feel enough compulsion to take risks of reaching out. You may not even think much about communicating Christ to them not hearing any cries, not seeing any life or death situation. And you can just keep on enjoying your comfortable spot in the lifeboat. Uh, but you Yeah, know, but he, it's, he, what he's saying there and what you can hear in his writing is that he's very much compassionate and full of the love of God. So we have to understand that it's the love of God that constrains us and it's his love through us that's motivating us to see these people with that they have souls, that they're desperate, that they're floundering, and that we care about that. We care about that. That's the, the, the lay down your life for someone else. That's true love. And so we're laying down our life, giving up our little, you know, normal pursuits to lay down our life so that they might live. Yeah, just a couple more things from Hutchcraft here. If you are following Jesus, he says, you will be doing what he came to do. You will be rescuing the dying, whatever it takes. If you don't see the life or death issue of people's terminal spiritual condition as Jesus does, if you are not actively, urgently doing something about their lostness as Jesus does, then you have reason to question whether you are really following Jesus. Mm-hmm. In a world addicted to what's comfortable and what's easy, and in a Christian culture that is so oftenly inward focused you will not step up to your destiny assignment as a spiritual rescuer until you see what Jesus sees when he looks at the lives all around you so could we pray Lord um, help us to see with your eyes see people more in the way that you see them. We cannot see them completely as you do, Lord, but that we will, as we look at people around us, in our families, in our schools, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in the stores, wherever we go, help us to see people as you see them, Lord. Help us to feel for them that compassion. The love. That you feel. Yes, Lord. And uh, help us to say what you would say to them and to do what you would do to help them. Yes, God. Uh, God, this is this Curious. is life or death. This is heaven or hell. Mm-hmm. Rekindle within us the urgency of reaching these. And, Lord, I pray that for anybody that's listening today that does not know you as Lord and Savior, that today will be the day when they will surrender to you. As Margie has referred earlier, that if you would confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart, God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. For the, with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So if you need to do that today, 
Romans 10, 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord, not just call once, but keep calling on him, shall be saved. Amen. So we pray that you would just open our eyes, open our hearts to the urgency of this hour in which we're living, Father, that we will communicate your love and truth to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. Pray this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Because there's a war for your soul.